Hey Tubes, it's Gabe here. I was wondering, how do I really know that a business or a product is for real environmentally friendly and they just don't look like it? I mean, how do I build my greenwashing radar? Can you guys help me with that? Thank you. Bye. You are listening to Hey Tubes, this podcast where we are figuring out can we save the planet but make it fashion? We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon, and we're also the founders of Tubes, this footwear label that is vegan and environmentally focused. We are so excited to today be answering the question how do I build my green washing radar? It's a really awesome question, and I feel like the perfect starting point is addressing what actually is this thing called greenwashing? Mm, I actually remember our mom asking me this maybe like 18 months ago. She said, someone said this really weird term to me today that I've never really heard before, greenwashing. Like, do you know what that is? And at the time, I was very deep in my fashion sustainability study, and I was like, of course I know what that is, mom. But it's a totally valid question because it is quite a new term and I feel like people are using it a lot lately. But if you don't know, we hear you and we are here to explain. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So when I think of the term greenwashing, I visually see somebody grabbing like any old dusty product that was like made with chemicals and really bad things for the environment. And then they literally get like a bar of green soap and they scrub, 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 and they wash it all over it. And it comes out nice and green and they've greenwashed it. And then all of a sudden we think it's environmental. We think it's good for the planet. And oftentimes this is actually what happens. This is part of greenwashing is that brands use green packaging and things like that to make us think that a product is environmentally focused when in fact it is not. And so for us, having a footwear brand that does have an environmental focus, even for us, we need to toe the line because we want to make sure that we're telling our customers and potential customers about all these awesome things that we are doing for the environment. But at the same time, we don't want to be making these grand sweeping claims. And then they're going to think that buying a pair of shoes from us is the equivalent in going and planting 10 trees. You know, they're different things here. We need to make sure that we're being honest about what we're doing and the impacts that we are having. So we actually have a sign up in our office. Remember offices, those things that we all used to go to, to like tap away on our computers. Not really. (laughs) Yeah, no, neither. But so when we did have an office way back pre 2020, we had a sign up that says, 
are we greenwashing? Because we constantly wanted to be checking ourselves and it's something that you can very easily accidentally fall into if you're not checking yourself as a brand to make sure that you're not tricking people into buying something. Yeah, and you'll notice with tubes, we're really careful about our wording, right? So we actually don't use the word sustainable fashion. We don't believe that there is such thing as sustainable fashion right now. It's just better or worse. So we try to use words like environmentally conscious because that is what we are. We are thinking about the environment, but we're not saying that we're sustainable. We're not out here being like, yes, we're the best brand ever. We know all the things. We have all the answers. And anyone who is telling you that you should kind of run for the hills because no one has all the answers and there isn't no such thing as sustainable fashion right now. I hate to tell you there's better and there's worse. Oh, when I am scrolling through my Instagram feed and I see sustainable brand, or if I'm on a brand's website now and I see a sustainable section, two things happen. One, it really grinds my bones. Two, I get excited because I'm like, oh, this is sustainable. And the like reptilian brain in me even gets tricked, even with all of the knowledge I have. I'm like, oh, sustainable purchase. Okay, perfect. I'm going to make this purchase. It's sustainable. And I feel so justified in it. And it's so funny because that's what people are playing to. They know that as consumers, we want to feel like we're making a difference. We want to do good things for the planet. We want to be like, yes, this is sustainable. So if they call it that, they know that they have us and it's super, super frustrating. I feel like this word should be illegal. Sustainable is not a thing in fashion. Mm, 100%. And to show you also that brands or aren't all bad, like even at Tubes, I feel like we've fallen into this trap before where we're really conscious of the messaging that we're putting on our website and on our social media. And then a customer might read what we've said and they believe in the term sustainable fashion or because it's just being thrown around so easily, they'll go and put up a post about tubes being like, oh my God, I just bought these tubes. They're so great. They're sustainable. And then it's like, we've kind of fallen into this icky trap of accidentally greenwashing, but we haven't really, because we didn't call ourselves sustainable, but it's like, what the customer knows right now to be sustainable. I don't know. I feel like I'm doing head spins over here, but I hope you understand what I mean. That this is not our intention for our customers to go and write that, but it's really this tricky line that we're trying to toe between explaining to you all the good stuff that we're doing and also hopefully communicating what we want to do better because there are a zillion things we want to do better. We do not have the answers. And we want to be constantly innovating and always getting better and better and better. So we hope that in two years, we look back on our practices right now and we go, ugh, can't believe we thought we were doing good stuff. <laughs> My head hurts. So I feel like I have a perfect example of when we accidentally greenwashed and then we had to kind of like backtrack on ourselves. But one thing that we did do that we've decided to shift, and it was actually something that helped us come up with the concept for this podcast, is that on our shoe boxes, we love to have like a really cute tagline. When you open the box, I do the writing for us at the moment, and I just love to come up with cute little fun slogans. And so when you open the tube shoe box from last season, on the inside, it said, save the planet, but make it fashion. So cute, right? Like adorable slogan, seemingly harmless. At the time when I wrote it a year ago, we were all like, oh, perfect. That's so much fun. 
And then we started to think about it. And I think you came to me and you were like, hey, I've thought about it. And this was about six months in. You were like, we can't say save the planet, but make it fashion because that's kind of implying that by buying our shoes, you are saving the planet. And it's a lot more complex than that. And we weren't exactly going to put an asterisk and like write an essay to the customer afterwards being like, but just know that you're not actually saving the planet, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, we decided to scrap that line, but we loved it so much. We turned it into a question. So now we're asking, can we save the planet? but make it fashion. Oh my gosh, so good. And this is the perfect point to phone a friend because this friend actually handles all of our digital marketing. So Steph, you had to call her and say, oi, we're not using that line anymore. (laughs) Can it on the ads. Can saving the planet, but make it fashion on the ads. Go asking the question on our podcast. So today's friend or expert in this case is Erin Morris. She is the founder of Young Folks, this incredible digital marketing company that we have the privilege of working with. So in case you don't know, digital marketing, it's like she does our Facebook ads, she does our Instagram ads. And what we love about them is every brand that they work with also has some kind of ethical or purpose focus. So of course, We wanted to work with them and they're just amazing. So let's give Erin a call and find out all of her juicy goss on greenwashing. Hey, Erin. So excited to be getting all your incredible opinions on record today because usually I'm taking vigorous notes when you're talking, but today I don't have to. (laughs) I'm so excited to chat. So today we've been chatting all things greenwashing and you being the marketing expert that you are, we thought it would be great to have your voice brought into this one. And something Jess and I have been speaking about a lot lately is the way with traditional advertising, you would just talk about the good things that you were doing. Like that was just obvious. But at the same time, by telling people the good things you're doing, you're not telling people the bad things you're doing. And when we sort of apply this to environmental things, suddenly brands are telling us the good stuff that they're doing about the environment if they are, but they're not talking about all this other stuff that could be really bad. So when we kind of think about this from a greenwashing perspective, do you feel like old advertising has to go and is full transparency the new way of advertising? That's such a great question. And there's certainly a need for greater transparency in terms of how we frame our brand benefits. Like at the end of the day, I think it's really important to assume that any audiences that are consuming information have critical thinking capacity and not to kind of assume that they're dumb. And there's kind of a lot of different media theories in how information is perceived and interpreted. And there's a theory that kind of dates back, I think it dates back to like the 1950s, but we might want to fact check that one, (laughs) (laughs) called the hypodermic needle theory, which assumes that an audience is passive and they will receive information willingly without questioning it. But then there's also media theory that looks at whether people receive information and then apply their own critical thinking or apply their own biases to it as well, and then make an informed decision. And I might be a little bit of an optimist or a bit of a kind of utopian here, but I like to assume that audiences will apply their critical thinking. And therefore, if you are presenting information in a transparent way, then the people that are the right customers for your product or service will make that informed choice that actually is the right choice for them. 
So yeah, I'm definitely pro-transparency. And I think by being more transparent and, and assuming people can make an informed choice, then we move away from kind of this world of media and advertising manipulation and more towards presenting the facts and presenting information that people can use to make good choices. I love that optimism because I feel like what you're saying there is that as customers, as consumers, we need to trust ourselves and we do have this ability to kind of discern what is good and what isn't. And I think that's really exciting as a customer to be like, all right, I can go out there and I myself can do this work and figure out, you know, what feels good and what doesn't feel quite right. Mm, Yeah. And it's funny because I'm listening to you talk and it's reminding me of some people's reception of tubes and the stuff that Steph and I talk about. And if I think about older people in particular that we talk to, they love to tell us that we live in a fairyland, that the way that we run our business is like so barefoot running in a daisy garden kind of thing, that we're sharing way too much, that we're being way too open about what we're doing. Because, you know, at Tubes, we're very much like, oh, like if we figure out how to do something, we want to tell everybody about it. But it's like, I can't help but feel like transparency is the way of the future. And I can't help but witness the like bigger brands and let's say it's like it's the equivalent of the older people in our life who have said those sorts of things to us is like these big old school brands that have like someone at the head of them that's been at the head of them for the last 30 years and nothing's changing and like I just don't see how they're going to come on this journey with us because they're like all about competition and like tricking you into buying and they don't want to like give you all the information on a silver platter for you to then go away and make your own decision they just want to try and trick you to make that purchase and call it a freaking day 100% and you see now that we've got the rise of like websites like good on you and we've got certification bodies like we use the Australian standards for compostability you can use ethical clothing Australia to certify the ethics of, the, I guess, the fairness of the workplace for garment workers. So there's a lot more kind of coming about in terms of how we measure if something truly is fair and good and right. And I think that if you're not in a position to be transparent, is it because you've got something to hide? Like as more and more brands become more transparent with what they're doing, does that then start to influence you know, the market and if brands aren't being transparent, even if they've got nothing to hide, does it look like you do have something to hide if you're not kind of being forthcoming with information? Mm, Yeah, totally. I don't know if Steph actually mentioned this to you, but when we launched our Hey Tubes Facebook group, which is called Tubes, A Kind of Community, we had someone write to us saying, so disappointed in you. You claim to be an ethical brand, but then you're launching a group on Facebook who are this like big, awful conglomerate who are doing terrible things in this world. And by the way, this was really ironic because this conversation was taking place on Instagram. Yes. (laughs) Which is already by Facebook. (laughs) Yeah, no problem with us having an Instagram page, just the Facebook one. But yeah, like as a brand, we were like, oh, like, come on, you know, and because it, it's really hard to balance, like we want to do good, but we're also like existing in this world where our competitors are on Facebook and on Instagram, they are advertising on Facebook and on Instagram. So it feels like we need to like be on there in order to take their customers as well. So it's like a really hard balance. So we wanted to chat to you. Like, so do you think it's ethical to be advertising on platforms like Facebook and Instagram when we know that they're designed to 
trick in a way people or to really like play on the way that people's brains are wired in order to get them to buy? I love this question because if we kind of zoom out, it's a bigger kind of question around how can you exist in a capitalist society and still do good things? Like at the end of the day, if you take a kind of puritanical look at being a brand and you believe that capitalism is bad, then all consumption is bad consumption when you kind of take that lens. But at the same time, it could take hundreds of years to dismantle capitalism because it's so ingrained in the way we work. And so for kind of the short amount of time that we're here on earth, if we want to live a purpose-driven life and kind of achieve our greatest positive impact, I talk about we as like us as individuals, because, you know, we work in Facebook advertising as well. And believe me, I've questioned whether I should even work in marketing at all, or if that is like a bad thing to do from the purpose and values that I hold. But I also feel that for people and for brands, if we're trying to do the right thing, we should do everything and use every tool available to us to influence positive change. And whilst, you know, Facebook and Instagram definitely have some like questionable tactics around how information is manipulated with algorithms, they also offer us an affordable um, and effective kind of path or conduit to reach people and influence positive change. So from that perspective, I think that ethical brands should totally leverage them and totally snatch market share from less ethical and also very bad brands that aren't doing the right thing. Okay. So if we're taking it back to like the customer, I think we can all relate to that feeling of being overwhelmed right now when we're trying to make good purchasing decisions and we're not feeling like we understand all the lingo and we don't know exactly what we should be looking out for, but like we feel like we're getting tricked. Like even I, I feel like I get tricked like quite a bit lately. And so what are the type of things that brands are doing that should kind of set off your greenwashing radar and be like, kind of like a red flag, like, hang on a second, you probably need to look more into this before you just go and jump in and buy. You see the kind of tactics that are employed in even packaging design in the supermarket aisle, you know, green lids will be used if you want something to look more you know, responsible. And if it says biodegradable and it's in a green packet, you think, oh, that's good. Or it says recycled, you know, you might be thinking, I want to buy toilet paper and it says recycled on it. But then if you read the fine print, it says it's like 5% post-consumer waste recycled and 95%, you know, virgin pulp, then that's misleading. Oh, and I feel like post-consumer waste is such a good one to look out for because We actually, last year, we were trying to find recycled materials. And when speaking to some factories, we found out that what a lot of factories had been doing was producing plastic bottles and then literally plucking them off the production line and then repurposing them into materials. Because us, like that was directly as a result of us in the West being like, oh, we want recycled materials, putting all of this pressure on a system that wasn't obviously like equipped to deal with our demand. And so they were like, oh, hang on a second. How can we do that? Let's make more plastic bottles, recycle them straight away. And then we're kind of giving them what they're asking for. Yeah. So post-consumer waste, golden words. So is there one thing that really stands out to you that good brands do? This might just be like a fairy unicorn question, wishful thinking, But is there a way to tell if a brand is doing good things without having to scan through every page and read through every little bit of fine print? 
Yeah, I totally get that vibe where there's just often so much to check through. But I will say that when brands do have like a certifications and accreditations page on their website, that makes it a lot easier, particularly if that information's presented in a table that's kind of explains what it means in general kind of terms rather than being like, we've got the, you know, ISO 1401 um, certification. Most people would say, what does that even mean? And then being able to actually link to the certifications, even if they're a PDF that's uploaded to the site, just to kind of verify that claim. That's a really great way to sort of simplify. It means that like not every marketing kind of advertisement or um, piece of collateral that you make has to have like a million disclaimers, like a government ad. And it's interesting because like you've talked so much as well about certifications. And I'd like just love to touch on this idea of holding bigger brands to a different standard than you hold smaller brands. So a rabbit hole that we've been going down lately is trying to get like everything certified in our supply chain, like the recycled materials that we're using and the people that are making our outsoles and every single material and everyone who's touching the shoes. And like it costs an insane amount of money. And there's this one certification that we wanted to get called GRS, which stands for Global Recycle Standard. And the factory explained to us that if they were to get that, they would need to pay 10,000 US dollars, not only this year, just to get the certification, but they were going to have to pay for it every single year in order to keep holding that certification. So, it's totally fair that we should be demanding that the brands like H&M and Zara have every single thing certified, but then also like, you know, don't come to a smaller brand like Tubes and say like, hey, well, what you're doing that, but you didn't certify it. So it's not true. You know, really open to having that conversation with you about why we're not necessarily getting everything certified, but like ultimately for a really small brand, it often comes down to cost. I feel like another question has come out of this conversation, which is kind of, is it always more ethical to buy from a smaller brand than a bigger brand? Like if you can't really tell if there's greenwashing going on to buy from a small brand is probably your best bet. I think that's like a really big question too, because we can kind of then look at how much like websites such as like Alibaba and AliExpress make it super easy to just like order a product that's made in China in who knows what conditions and put your own logo on it, start a Shopify store and like, ta-da, you're now a small business, but then you're buying a product that's kind of feeding into this bigger manufacturing chain. So I don't know, like I think this it's become a lot harder for customers to discern between brands that are truly taking those steps and and those that aren't or those that are kind of almost masquerading and it's I know that like running a business is hard work and there's no doubt that even those that aren't taking you know steps to be ethical and are a small business are still working their butts off but if we're talking about this through the lens of like what's better for the planet and for and for people as well, from like a social justice perspective, you know, really important for brands like Tubes to be like powering ahead and showing that it's possible to run a business in a really responsible way. Yeah. So I'm almost hearing that what's important is to like find the brands that you love and you feel like you can trust and then like continue to buy from them. It's almost like we should all be having these like 10 brands that we would go to should we need X, Y, Z. And they're like, 
we form relationships with them over time, right? And like we, we're able to build on them. Like if you're part of the Tubes community, like maybe me and Steph have spoken to you personally. Like we know so many of our customers like by name and face, you know, and it's kind of cool that you're able to stay with a brand like throughout their journey rather than just like hopping around to like someone who advertised to you on Instagram yesterday and you're like, oh, I don't know anything about them. Bye. And then someone new comes along tomorrow and you're like, oh, I don't know anything about them either. Bye. <laughs> so to finish us off, Erin, we wanted to ask you, what is the most green washy thing you've ever seen a brand do? <laughs> this is such a like loaded question and I love it. But I honestly feel like <laughs> I have a massive personal bone to pick with biodegradability. <laughs> it just is, to me, it just feels so dishonest. Like if there's no real time frame associated with biodegradability and anything, like even plastic will biodegrade and break down into microplastics and fragments after hundreds and hundreds or thousands and thousands of years, then the spin to the public that biodegradability is a good thing is like... To me, that spin is like the number one like marketing sin. Oh, yes, that is such a good point and definitely something for us all to be wary of. Well, thank you so much, Erin. You have left us with so many incredible things to think about. And it's always a pleasure to have a chat to you. So good chatting with you. See you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Same. So much interesting insight there from Aaron. So I feel like it might be a nice time to just come back to the question and ask, okay, what is in my greenwashing radar toolbox? So there are like specific things that you can really look out for. So like we've touched on so many times, like colors is a real thing. So like if something is green, if something is brown, like don't just pick it up, assume it's great and off you go with it look at it more thoroughly than that to read what's in it, what's it about. If it's just the color of the packaging, it's probably greenwashing. Yeah. And I like to always go through people's websites to learn a little bit more about a brand once I find them. And like I said, if there's just these fancy looking terms, but no info to actually back it up, that is a huge red flag. But if they have a tab that's called transparency or in some way tells you a little bit more about what they do and in what ways they're good, have a look, have a read through that. And if things are feeling a little bit off, like you're not seeing information backed up, always feel free to reach out to the brand and say, hey, I saw you have an environment mental focus. Can I just ask a little bit more about that? I'd love to know in what way you are doing good things for the environment. And as a brand, we often get questions like that if we don't have answers that are right there on the website. And we're very happy to answer people's questions. So I think the second that people are cagey, they're withholding information or they're not forthcoming when you ask the questions, that's a definite red flag. Mm, I also think 
buzzwords are a big like greenwashing tactic. So if they're using words like green, if they're using words like sustainable, like nature, like natural, those types of words that kind of do mean something but don't really mean much and that there's not really information to back it up, I feel like that is really one of my greenwashing red flags of like, why do they keep using buzzy words? They're not actually telling me anything of substance. Run, run in the other direction right now. Save yourself. I think another thing to look out for is a really big brand that is coming out with a in quotation marks, sustainable collection, or they have one collection that's made out of plastic bottles. I think made out of recycled plastic bottles isn't automatically a red flag, but what other environmental practices are they bringing in? And it's also important to think about the fact that if they are fast fashion, if they're dropping new pieces every day, every week, if they're churning through clothes that are really trend-based, then for me, they don't really have an environmental focus. So So you want a brand that's addressing more than just one thing. Mm, So hope those tips were useful. And I think now it's time for us to go into a question. Question time. Okay, Steph, today I have a question for you. Have you ever been tricked into buying something through greenwashing only to realize afterwards it wasn't so great? Okay, yes, this happens to me all the freaking time. And I feel like the place that it happens most is the supermarket. What is it about supermarket and grocery store goods that they just want to make them green colored so that we buy them? It is so confusing. And I feel like supermarket choices are best made at home where you can Google things and do proper research. But for me, I was constantly buying this organic, better for the environment, better for me brand only to realize that it's actually just the supermarket's home brand that they're marketing to me as ethical. But really a supermarket is a giant company and I can only imagine that they're paying the farmers not at all what they're worth and they're just taking a product that isn't that ethical and slapping the packaging on it. So yes, that happens all the time and now I make sure to do a little bit more research on who I'm buying from and I also prefer to shop at small grocery stores rather than the big supermarkets. Yeah, so true. I think that the reason supermarkets are so confusing is because you're not at home. You don't have Google with you to Google everything. So it's like that place where you just buy quickly and you're not really thinking about it. So they think that by making their stuff green, they're going to trick you real quick, which they do. And I have fallen for it so many times. I had this one situation where I bought a kitchen spray from the supermarket. And the reason that I selected that one was because they had refillable satchels next to them. So the next time I needed more kitchen spray, I didn't have to buy like a whole new bottle. I would just come back and buy the little satchel. And so I took the kitchen spray home. I used it all up. I came back. I bought the satchel, just one satchel. I came home. I opened the satchel up. I poured the satchel in the bottle and I realized that it took one satchel to fill a quarter of the bottle. And in actual fact, I was going to need to go and buy four satchels to fill up the kitchen spray bottle. And there was no option to like send the satchel back to someone as well. So the satchels weren't being reused. So the whole thing was just a huge scam to get me to buy. And I was furious. And now I'm stuck with this dumb kitchen spray bottle and it's empty. I don't know what to do with it. And I'm just angry every time I look at it. 
Oh, I know what you should do. You should go on Zero Co. I did a lot of research recently when I was buying my home cleaning products and they send these products to you. A, you can get reusable bottles made out of recycled ocean plastics, which you don't need because you already have the bottle. And then they'll send you the refills, the giant refills, and then you send them those packets back and they refill them and send them to somebody else. Oh, amazing. Okay, I'm definitely going to go on and buy. So... I think it's time for us to throw to the listeners. They actually had some really interesting examples of times that they were tricked into buying stuff. Let's go, listeners. I used to support a brand, a florist, that their whole brand identity was built around never importing flowers from overseas and supporting local farmers and I found out that actually like only five or ten percent like a very small minority of their flowers were from local growers you know importing flowers is just really really terrible for the environment and meanwhile Australian farmers are barely scraping by so it felt like a real slap in the face. Compostable and biodegradable plastics are marketed as this like amazing thing that's going to save the planet but really like the conditions to actually degrade and compost are very specific and if a city doesn't meet those requirements it's almost impossible. I try not to buy new things and try to only buy secondhand but with being in lockdown I can't and so I found this recycled from plastic bottles swimsuit was very excited did a lot of research and then when it arrived, it arrived in plastic packaging. It had a plastic outer shipping bag and a plastic inner bag, even though there was nothing else in the package with it. Thank you so much to Sophie, Amanda and Sarah for sending in your thoughts there. Yeah, and what Sophie said about her bathing suit arriving in a plastic satchel reminded me that we haven't actually talked on this podcast about compostable satchels because I feel like they're the biggest greenwashing of all because they've gotten all these brands to use their satchels and act like they're a better option than plastic. But the reality of it is I really don't feel like most people do compost. So all of those satchels also end up in landfill anyway. And that is greenwashing because it's making you feel like these brands are doing something good when in actual fact, they know you're probably not going to compost it anyway, but they don't care. They're just caring about their perception and not about their impact. Greenwashing 101. So true and a bit of a juicy little story to finish you off with is that at Tubes, we actually don't use satchels at all. We figured out that shoes already come in boxes. So we were like, hey, why would we be adding another layer to that? Let's just send them in their boxes. So we've created these boxes that if you buy from Tubes, your shoes come directly in these boxes. Sometimes they're a little scuffed and banged up, but we were like, hey, why would we be using all these compostable satchels when we don't have to? And actually recently we had a big retailer try to get us on board with them. And the deal breaker for us, well, amongst a few other things, was that they actually said to us, you need to use our packaging outside your packaging because we want people to know that it came from our brand. And we were like, you know what? If you are claiming to care about the environment, which they did, but you're making us use another layer of packaging unnecessarily and you're a big brand, you're going to be sending out millions of things, then we just can't get on board with that. 
Okay, so that is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, we would just love you to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from you guys. And if you do have any crazy greenwashing stories, make sure you come on over to our Facebook group, Tubes, a kind of community, and you share those stories with us over there. Thank you so much for having us in your ears. We will see you same time, same place next week. See you then. Thank you so much to our podcast producer, Amelia Navasquez, our podcast coordinator, Bianca Whitner, and a big thank you to King Cora and Lily3PO for creating our incredible theme song. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record, the Boonarong, Boonwarong, and Wurundjeri Woolwurrung peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nation and the Arakwal people of the Bundjalung Nation. We pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.